Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. heartbroken that's the last time you get to hear me sing that song I know I'm so sorry so this is going to be the last installment of the series we've been calling don't stop and so I hope you won't stop after we stop the don't stop series right did I say that right I think I said that right so if you haven't been with us you can you can catch up or catch the other uh uh, installments uh, on our podcast, c2church.com, and certainly you'll understand today's message without having heard those uh, messages. But it's been quite a journey, and I got to say thank you as well as wow. Um, when we planned this series uh, kind of like last January, February, we started working on the, the next year, and, and as it kind of took shape over the summer and into the fall, I, I just never knew what to expect. I knew that, that I wanted to uh, formulate practical steps for myself as well as our church, of what, what can we do? What's the next step? How do, we, how do we help people in their journey to become fully devoted followers of Christ? What does that look like on a practical level? And so we, when we kind of developed this, I didn't know what to expect. But uh, as Caleb said, near, nearly 50 people have uh, taken the 90-day challenge and have begun uh, that journey into generosity. Can I just say thank you? And I, I know that God is going to bless you and you're going to experience God in, in a way that you haven't yet as you've done that. Many of you stepped into official membership at C2 Church as part of that next step for you. Uh, over 60 people last week filled out the interest cards to serve someplace at C2 and the local mission going on right here in our church. Isn't that great? Can we give them a round of applause? I'm really excited to see what, what ministry comes from you, what God is calling you to do and what you discover and how God uh, not only uses you to change the lives of, of those around you, but even changes your own heart and your life. And so last week we were, when we were talking about this, we talked about the Great Commission. That's sort of been our, uh, the driving force uh, of becoming a fully devoted follower. As we follow Jesus, we said last week, fully devoted followers reproduce fully devoted followers as part of the Great Commission that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28, to go into all the world and make disciples. And so serving was part of that process. We talked about prayer as part of the fulfillment of the Great Commission, that when we pray, we fulfill the Great Commission. We are part of that as we pray not only that others would respond and begin to serve and, and reach the lost, but that our hearts would be moved, our minds enlightened to what, how God would want to use us in fulfilling the Great Commission. We talked about serving last week. When you serve, you are fulfilling the Great Commission. And when you go, wherever that is, whether it's mid-Missouri around the world, you are fulfilling the Great Commission. So this week we want to talk about sending. We're going to go full circle in this deal. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in the book of Romans, he writes to them uh, sort of a challenge to them. I can imagine as he's writing, he's 
trying to help them take their next steps in becoming fully devoted followers. And so he poses this truth in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. He says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the gospel. In its simplicity and its entirety. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that a great promise? How simple. And yet he begins to unfold. I, I, I think there's this conflict or this, this dynamic going on in, in his own heart and his mind. Because listen to what he follows that up with. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? You hear those questions? He's depositing these thoughts into the minds and hearts of the believers in the church of Rome. As he reaches out in a, thousand, a, thousand, a couple thousand years later into our hearts and minds. How can someone believe in someone they've never heard of? And how will they hear unless someone tells them? And how can someone go and tell them unless they are sent? And listen to how he concludes that thought. That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Or said a different way, how beautiful are the feet of the evangelists who bring the gospel. That's how you would translate those words in Greek. The messenger is the evangelist. And the gospel is the good news. But there's something about the way Paul writes this. I think in my head, if you were to get in my head, it's kind of a mess in there. But here's how it plays out, because I think there's a desperation in his voice, if you will. If you could read into the text, as he, he declares this truth, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then immediately follows up, but how? How can they call to save them if they've never heard of him? And how can they believe if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can, how can someone tell them unless they're sent? Do you sense the desperation, maybe? The conflict in his own mind? Maybe even a sense of exasperation, understanding that the, the greatness of the commission, that there are lost people. There are people who have never heard of Christ, never given a chance to respond. And how would they ever know unless the church did something? Unless they sent out from their base, from their church, from their gatherings. There was a desperation. I believe it was passion that was driving him. A passion for Jesus. You think about the story of Paul, who was formerly Saul. If you haven't read his story, you'll find it in the book of Acts. Saul was the persecutor of the church, going from town to town, gathering Christians to persecute and execute them with the full permission of the Jewish hierarchy and the Roman government. Yet on one of his journeys to a town called Damascus, he has this revelation, this encounter with Jesus himself. It radically changes his life. So he goes from persecutor of the church to the apostle of the church. 
changes his name from Saul to Paul. Do you think he's driven by that passion? A person who, was so, who felt so undeserving is now trying desperately to take that hope in Jesus to a whole world. Let me say this. For some of you, you know this reality, but let me state this reality again for us all. We are ascending, church. We are ascending, church. We are ascending, church. For what you hear this morning or any given Sunday morning was never meant to stay here. In fact, it wasn't even meant to stay in Columbia or mid-Missouri. But hopefully what you hear is a catalyst to go from here to out there, wherever that is. How many of you, I want you to stand on your feet today, how many of you have gone on a missions trip or been supported on a missions trip from this church? Would you stand in this room? If you're a Chi Alpha kid who we supported or you're a ministry kid, there you go. All ages represented and so many more this morning. We are ascending church. We were never meant to gather as a holy huddle once a week or twice a week or whatever it is. It was always about the mission of God to redeem for himself a people that would be his very own. He wouldn't share us. And so what are you doing? What are we doing? I heard one pastor say it this way, and I love what he, what he says. It's not about seeding capacity. It's about sending capacity. How many more people can we get sent from this place, from this local congregation, out into our world? To share the good news of the gospel of Jesus. We're preparing people, young and old alike, to go. That's why we do missions trips. That's why we serve. That's why we do the things that we do. It's all in preparation to send. Parents, send your kids on a missions trip. It's 10 days that you don't have to deal with them. You're welcome. (laughs) But send them. Our goal is that everyone in our congregation who is able to go would go on a mission trip somewhere because it will change your life. It will change your perspective. It will change you, and it will change the people you serve. But send your sons and your daughters. Go with them. One of the scariest things Darcy and I did was to bring our 11-year-old at the time, uh, this was three years ago, to bring her to El Salvador with us. And I can remember thinking how excited she was. I mean, she was already planning it by the time she was nine. We had gone on so many trips that she was like, Dad, I'm going when I'm 11. And so I was like, all right. So we, we made the plans. And I can remember as we got closer and closer, I thought to myself, we're going to one of the most dangerous countries in the world. And I'm bringing my 11-year-old daughter. What in the world am I doing? Right? I begin to have this fear, right? And fear begins to spring up. If you don't, if you don't speak truth to it, it will take root in your life. And I was like, wait a minute, God has called her and he's called me and where he's taking us, he will protect us. And parents, let me say this, there's no greater cause than your, that, that, that your kid can give their life to than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our kids give their lives to all sorts of things, sports, academics, jobs, careers, all things that will fade and they will not last. But if they give their life for the gospel's sake, it will last forever. But let's not just talk to young people. 
What about you? Perhaps you're called. And maybe you've said to yourself, well, you know, I'll go next time. Well, guess what? Next time is coming around really soon. In fact, in June, June 5th through the 15th, C2 is going to, guess where? El Salvador. Many of you have already said, I'm going next time. So this is your chance. We've got an online link for you to register today. If you want to zone out for a minute and go ahead and register yourself on this link, if you want to put up that link, c2church.com slash El Salvador. I will not be offended if you register yourself to go on a trip while I'm speaking. It's the Lord's work, so you're good. (laughs) So you do that. Get yourself registered. Get your family registered. I'm already excited that families have already been planning to go. So get your seat because uh, it's going to fill up fast. But that's part of sending. We as a church are going to send the people who can go. And we're going to pray and we're going to give so that people can be sent. And missions trips are just part of that. It's just part of our philosophy that you would experience something. Because the people who go to El Salvador are suddenly like, man, the world is wide open. God is calling me to do something. And it's amazing to see what people hear and experience and feel God leading them to. Some will choose to go back to El Salvador or go to another country. I'm excited about the trips that we're planning for later in 2017 and into 2018 to some other countries. You won't want to miss those either. You're going to have to create your own funding system, get a part-time job just to fund all the missions trips. But we don't go for vacation or to be tourists. If you've gone with me, you know we work hard. Late nights, early mornings to do the work of the missionary. And that's what we call you. You're a missionary. I could go on and on forever, but I have to get through this. You're welcome on that. (laughs) So we pray, and we go, and we give. Next week, I'm excited that Jay Reisner will be with us again. Uh, He'll be here uh, this week for the light, the night, and then he'll be back with us next Sunday. Many of you were with us last year when uh, he shared with us about a project that we are involved in called Joyland in Kenya. It's a home for disabled people in Kenya. Sometimes in, in cultures, uh, certainly this is true uh, uh, of the home in Joyland, that sometimes families have to decide because of finances and situations how, uh, which one of their kids is going to get the support, the emphasis, And Joyland has become that place that families who could not support somebody with a disability could bring their family member, sometimes because of neglect, but i got to believe sometimes out of love. And so this home is full of of people of all ages with disabilities, and here's a view of the home. You can see they're on on different carts and various things. Show the next picture. So it's a home in in Kenya, and we've been part of this for two years now. We helped uh, dig the water well. We helped put in this, the, there's a swimming pool there that hasn't been used. It's being renovated. The showers are in. Everything that will help those with disabilities live this life. They were traveling four miles, those who could walk or ride or push themselves to go get water. Well, now they have it on site because of C2 Church. And we are partnering with them this year to finish out the plumbing issues and all the other things that will make uh, the Joyland Complex uh, even greater for those kids and those adults in need. So next week, we'll participate in our annual miracle offering for BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary Crusade, which is uh, the association we do it with. The kids, this is part of our kids' ministry. This is their project, right? They've already raised $7,000. Seven grand from our kids. That's awesome. 
So next week, we have the opportunity to participate in that giving. And so I want you to be prepared to give next week, because I don't want you to just give emotionally. You can give emotionally, and I want you to, and when you hear the stories as Jay gives us updates of all the wonderful things going on there, you will be emotionally moved, but I want you to plan your giving. I want you to begin to pray now, not if, but how much. What does God want you to do? What's your part? We like to give to projects like this, uh, especially with projects connected to our missionaries. But there's another way. We have to give to support our missionaries as well. This is what keeps them out on the field to do the work of the missionary is our monthly support. You may hear us call it our missionary faith promises. It's a pledge that we make uh, usually once a year, but we do it all year long. Well, you can make a pledge whenever. In fact, the form is on your seat. If you've never made a missionary faith promise, you can do that this week. We'll have buckets at the, the doors. It tears off. You make your pledge. And then you track it. We don't, we don't track you. You track you. And you can track it on our, our software called CCB online, and we can get you set up at the office if you have any questions about that. But really is just that faith step of generosity, that above and beyond my ties, I'm going to give to support the work of missions. That's part of fulfilling the Great Commission. If I can't go, I'm going to enable somebody else to go where we can't or won't go. And so that's part of the philosophy, part of the process of sending here at C2 Church, is each one of us doing our part. But lest you think we give to missionaries that are nameless and faceless, we want to bring up some of our own very uh, own missionaries from right here at C2. We're sending them to Africa because we love them, not because we don't like them. But would you welcome to the stage this morning Shannon and Logan Nash. So glad you guys are with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. You guys live down the road from me. We're talking local yokels. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Home base. Love it. It's good to be it's home, today. homecoming weekend, and we are right here at home. I know you're wearing tiger stripes, kind of. I'm wearing tiger stripes, and I got my tiger shirt on underneath. That's right. <laughs> you got to represent. Yeah, even if they lost, but that's okay. We don't want to talk about that. Well, you guys, how long have you guys been attending C2 and been part of this church? Boy. <laughs> a long time. Long time. <laughs> uh, let's see. And um, we graduated Bible College in 1996. Um, I grew up in Columbia, so I had already had some connections with the church. Um, we felt the Lord lead us to Michigan. We took our first pastorate there. Uh, we were there about three years, and we felt like the Lord told us it was time to leave. We both had missions in Africa and in our heart. In 1994, I went to Africa myself for the first time. Uh, to visit a friend of mine's family who was a missionary kid and, and to help her dad uh, set up some things. It was right after the Rwandan refugee uh, crisis, and, and he was needing some assistance, so I went. And while I was there, I had the opportunity to attend service at a bush church. Um, and by bush church, it was drive four hours from the missionary's home into the middle of really nowhere, and all of a sudden you come upon this uh, small chapel, and, and it looked like it would seat maybe 60 people. Uh, when service started, we had over 100 people inside that little building. Uh, there's no electric, so there's, there's like no fans or anything. Those who didn't fit inside the building stood outside the building, and because there's no electric, there's no PA, so they would lean their heads in windows or indoors so they could hear. Um, it's 100-plus degrees outside. The building is already filled to capacity plus. And the missionary preached, 
And when he was done, the pastor got up and the pastor uh, began to speak. And growing up here in the States, my assumption was, well, the pastor's offering the benediction prayer and we'll dismiss. And after about 30 minutes, the pastor was still speaking. And I leaned over to my friend and I said, what's going on? And my friend said, well, the pastor can't read. And the pastor has no formal Bible training. So he's re-preaching the message that the missionary just preached so that he has another message in his portfolio. And I, I just sat there thinking and remembering on our way into the church, the last hour of our drive, we're passing people who were walking to church. And I thought to myself, Lord, again, growing up in America, all of these people come to church every week, week after week, to possibly hear a message that they've heard six or eight times before, maybe more. And they're still here. They're still coming. Why, Lord? And I felt like the Lord speak to me then. Why not you do something Hmm. about this? And so I left Africa in 1994 knowing two things. I knew that God had called me to Africa. And I knew that my friend that I went to visit loved Jesus with all of her heart. And I wanted to marry her. (laughs) Does Shannon know about this other woman? I know. Um, so since that time, we have a, that's 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 a handsome young couple oh, right there. Yeah. Um, so that was actually wow. in 1994. Um, since then, we have pastored. We've served as interim pastors. We've served as small group pastors. Uh, we served as small group pastors here at the church for a while. No, no, so, put that other one back up. That was kind of C two has uh, played a big part. Yes. In, in our spiritual journey. So we are very appreciative to see you and to you, Pastor, for allowing us Our kids us have here. grown up in this church. So we have, we have three kids, seven-year-old, Zeke, and Zivia is four, and Zaid is two. And they've grown up in this church and love it. We have been itinerating, so we're not here every weekend. We're kind of traveling all over. But it is a real joy to be here at home at the church. Thank you. Well, we are so privileged <laughs> to, to have you guys. And as long as I've known you, Africa has been on your heart what what will life and ministry look like when you get there well it, it we've not actually been to Botswana Logan and I have been in a few countries in Africa Africa is in our hearts for sure um, but we're kind of with what our research is what we feel the Lord's put in our hearts we have three basic things that we kind of have goals for or pursuits for and that's to pursue to partner and to plant so our A huge thing with Botswana is AIDS, HIV. Um, It is the second worst in the world per our population. We have 2 million people. One in four people are HIV, AIDS positive. We have over 120,000 orphans out of just 2 million people that have lost their parents due to AIDS. Um, It it is something that the country will go ahead and pay for their medicine, uh, but there's no prevention talk or anything like that to try to change and, and save a generation of people. So uh, one thing that our hearts would like to do is to partner with the pastors uh, there and try to do some HIV prevention, get them plugged into basically a hope in Jesus with a home church in that area to go ahead and say, hey, Jesus can do awesome things. Here is a family, a church to support you and keep you. We also are going to be, Logan's going to be teaching a class or two at the Bible school, um, which is in the capital city of Botswana. And he's very excited about that and also doing ministry about once a month, taking out those men and women 
to churches that are outside of the city and saying, hey, okay, this is what you're learning in class. Now let's put it to a good experience. Right. Train, uh, let them go ahead and lead worship and pray and preach and start learning the works of the church and how much, you know, how it goes and how it functions. Uh, third is there is a, a tribe, uh, Botswana is 70% the Kalahari Desert. And in that, we have a nomadic group known as the San, or the Bushmen, that you guys see. I don't know if you've ever seen the very old movie, The Gods Must Be Crazy, but that little Bushman in there that always talks with the... like that, that is the San. That was pretty good. Uh, thanks, I probably just said something insulting. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, Botswana speaks English, but the San don't. You know, they, they live in the desert. They're, they travel in nomadic... They don't know Jesus. There's no cell phones out there. There's no internet connection. So it's not like they could watch a program on the TV and say, oh, that's Jesus. Mm. And so, you know, that is something that our hearts would be. The government is trying to urbanize them. We actually don't even forcibly. We don't know why. Um, but that means a huge transition for this entire people group that really need to know the love of Jesus, especially when their whole world's going to be turned upside down. So we really have a heart for that to try and be there for that people group is on. As you guys are sharing, I mean, there, there's that desperation that I, I feel like Paul had in his writings to the church in Rome, that we've got we've to do something. We've got to reach, uh, and you call them an unreached people group. Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes we, we, in America, Jesus is a luxury. Yeah. You know, you, you can't go a block without a church or turn on the TV without being a channel. Or, I mean, it's just something that we take for granted and yet there are groups of people that have never heard about the grace and the love of Jesus and I think in some regards my mind goes how is that even possible in our day and age and yet it's happening Mm -hmm. and it's Christ's love that Christ's love that compels us compels you guys to answer a call to reach an unreached people group Uh, Logan I, I love that the dream isn't just go in and and um, in, in sort of an imperialistic type setting. Well, here, here are the Americans, but you're really coming in underneath the authority of the Botswana and Assemblies of God churches, submitting to them, but training and, and raising up a generation of the nationals to reach their people. Yes. And I, I, love, I love that thought, that we're simply partnering with yeah. the people of Botswana to do the work of, of the kingdom. So what... You talked a little bit about the, the Bush people, but you said that's just a part of the, the, the population. What's the average Botswana's life look like? You want me to? Okay. Um, well, it, it's very different. Uh, kind of, I was a missionary kid when I grew up, so it's very different than what I grew up doing. This, they have internet. Where, now, where did you grow up doing uh, missions work? Tanzania, East Africa. I went when I was age 11, from age 11 to 18 is when I was raised there. And it, we didn't have a lot of the luxury you know, internet, electric, water, most of the time when I was a kid, but Botswana does, you know, they're, they have huge resources. Um, they have a lot of diamond and different minerals that they actually do, so they drive nicer cars. Like, I saw a lot of pictures of Mercedes and stuff. I'm like, what? Where is that? <laughs> it's not Africa. Come on. But it is. That just kind of makes it a little difficult. We do have orphans. There is poor people. I mean, it's, it's hard work to live in different places. Um, Nothing kinds, you know, it's not like you can just run through and drive through and pick up this. It's, it is tough, but there's actually more well-off people than we are used to. And, you know, it kind of makes it a little dif- difficult. When 
when we have everything we need, we don't necessarily have to look for answers. We don't have to look for help. So we kind of don't go to Jesus all the time. We don't need Jesus, yeah. You know, but when I was raised in the town, we had one hospital. It was called the House of Death. The only reason you went there was to die because there was no doctors for anything. So, you know, people were desperate. They needed Jesus a lot. And so they were a lot more open and receptive. And so kind of in the same vision with us. It's a luxury. We're kind of spoiled in our ways until crisis comes. But we honestly have never been there uh, except what we've spoken to missionaries who are there. And I can only relate from the countries that we have been in in Tanzania. And so, I, you know, Jesus is awesome no matter where he goes. And he is going to make sure that there is a way, the words to say. And that's why we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to listen to him. And one quick story when I was a missionary kid, if that's okay. Uh, when uh, we had first gotten there and they, we went to language school. I'm going to flip. I'm telling a different story. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Okay. I got the mic. I can go to town. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway um, they, my parents had to go to language school. There was one language school in this little town, and it was a Catholic language school. And so my brother, he's uh, three years younger than me about, and so we went down there for my parents to learn Swahili. Well, who knew that the Catholic school didn't let kids on campus while your parents are there? Well, we are in the village, you know, of Musoma. There's nobody else around, so my 12-year-old self... And the younger brother and a five-year-old boy, I was in charge of them. And we wandered the villages and learned Swahili while my parents were in school. But anyway, I got malaria really bad. Um, And there was a little uh, Catholic diocese there of some nuns that were there who were nurses as well. I was deathly ill for over seven days, could not keep anything down. Malaria is caused by a mosquito. As you know, it gives you a very high fever. And essentially, you just get severe chills, and, and basically, you just burn up. Basically, that's how you die. Um, so as my 12-year-old self, the seven days of this, I mean, medicine, it, it gives you bad tum- stomach trouble, bad fevers, headaches. I was ready to meet Jesus. I said, okay, Jesus, I'm in a bath of ice, and this is not pleasant to try to break this fever. I'm ready to go home. Just take me now. And, you know, within two days, I was completely healed and well. And we got a letter, and it took a long time for mail, so this is a long time after, but we got a letter from people in our church um, who said, we don't know what's going on, but we have been interceding for you guys this week. Can you let us know what happened? And my mom was real good to journal everything and look back, and that was exactly the time that these folks in our church that supported and sent us mm-hmm. got up to pray. And, you know, I believe that's the only reason I'm alive. Mm-hmm. You guys are powerhouses of prayer. We need you. You know, it takes money to get us there. And you guys are supporting us, and we're so blessed. But we need your prayer to stay alive. And so we really want you to dig in and do that and go see what Jesus can do. Because you know what? If he calls you, his grace is sufficient to keep you there. That's right. You know, there's... <clears throat> you were sharing in first service that, that much of Botswana is is, I think you said, westernized or, or uh, Americanized. And so in that, that regard, there's, there's a familiarity uh, versus some of the, the work you'll do in the, the bush, the, the, the more rough, you know, at least for Americans, a rough, rough area, a rough part of it. And yet, regardless, you're going into a spiritual battle that it really doesn't matter what the culture is, you're going up against the devil. Yeah. And you're reaching people who've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Logan, you, you were telling me a story of, uh, of the time you were in South Africa. I think that just, to me, it opened up the window of, of what drives you. I'd love for you okay. to share that. Yeah, absolutely. So the last time uh, we were in Africa, we were in South Africa, and um, there was a missionary who was pastoring a local church, and it's not something they normally do, but the church was in a transition of leadership, and so they'd asked for the missionary to help step in. And So we'd went to church one Sunday morning, and after church, the missionary said to us, now of all the people that you saw up on the platform this morning, which one of those people have had AIDS? And if you've ever met someone who has AIDS, you, they're, they're very sickly, and you can tell right away um, that, that they're sick. And Shannon and I both looked at each other and we said, none of them. And um, he told us that just about a year before that, he had received a phone call. There was a 16-year-old young lady who had lived uh, rather promiscuously. Uh, she had never heard of Jesus before. And she, he, the, the missionary got called to her house to pray for her because she was literally about to die. Um, he went in, he shared who Jesus was, and he shared that Jesus could heal her, but most of all that Jesus loved her, just like she was. And that she could receive Jesus. And that night she prayed and received Jesus into her heart. And over a period of weeks, she suddenly started gaining weight and gaining muscle, which are two things that people with full-blown AIDS just don't do. And she went to her doctor, and the doctor did a blood test and called her back a few days later, said, come in for another blood test. The last one was wrong. He gave her three different blood tests because none of them showed AIDS Hmm. or HIV in her system anymore. That's awesome. And when... When we were there, that young lady leads worship at that church. She has something to worship Jesus about. Amen. Amen? And so we're going into a country that, yeah, one in four people have AIDS. But we know AIDS is no problem for Jesus. Not at all. But even more than the healing power of Jesus is the love of Jesus touching these people who are, they're hopeless right now. And we just want to be able to share hope and life with them. Awesome. In our last few minutes together, let's talk a little bit about the challenges and opportunities you guys are facing. It's been quite a a journey for you guys, if I can share with our congregation a little bit. Um, As long as I've known you, you've had a heart for Africa, and you've had your eyes set on on getting there. And so this last year when you had the opportunity, uh, we have a a division of the Assemblies of God God called uh, the World Missions Department. So they, they... you actually are under their authority. You, you're accountable to them. They set your budget. They tell you when you can go, how you can go, how much you, it's going to cost you, and, mm-hmm. and, and all those things. When you went for your interview, it's a, it's, it's a lengthy process with the Assemblies of God to, to verify that you can actually mentally, physically, emotionally handle what's about to happen. They turned you down and said, you're not going as full appointment missionaries. You're going to be missionary associates, which... Some people look at it as, well, you're not really missionaries, then you're kind of just like testing it out, you know, right. uh, like you're interning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that was heartbreaking for you, and yet <clears throat> that phone call that you called me, I think it was probably the same day or, or same week we talked, there was just this positiveness. I know, Shannon, you really, it takes a lot for you to get positive. I know, it's tough. I know. <laughs> but... You're just like, you know, whatever it is, we're going to keep going. And, and I told you that day, we're going to partner with you. We're going to pray, and we're going to financially support you no matter what they call you in terms of your levels because you're, now you're, gonna have to, you're working underneath a, another missionary yes. until your full appointment, which we, we hope will come along here in the next year or so. 
Um, I know that was discouraging, but talk to us about where, the, where you are in that journey now. Okay. So where we're at right now is, is my wife said, we are itinerating. Uh, the district has been very good to us, and they're allowing us to openly itinerate the entire northern Missouri district. One of the issues that they had at the committee was because we're from a smaller district, they were afraid that we couldn't raise our budget. Um, and so that was one of the reasons making us missionary associates is you have a smaller budget. And uh, that we could transfer to full-time after we did the MA stint because that way we'd already have part, a portion of it raised. Right. Yeah. And again, we would like to say thank you to the church and thank you to Pastor Jeremy because um, it was really tough getting that news at first. And Pastor Jeremy was amazingly encouraging. He's like, I don't care what they want to call you. You know, you're one of us and we're behind you guys and we will support you. Um, yep. So we want to thank the church and we want to thank Pastor Jeremy for that. Uh, where we're at now, we, we really need your prayers for us for favor. Because when we do call pastors in our district, sometimes um, pastors hear the missionary associate title, not knowing the story behind it. And they think, well, you know, you guys are just looking to do this briefly. This isn't something maybe that we really want to get behind. Um, that's not the case with us. This has been something in our hearts over 20 right. years. Once we get to Africa, we'll probably never, ever come back um, unless they send people to kidnap. No, I'm just kidding. Um, come visit us every now and again. We, we, you know? don't, we don't want to be anywhere but Africa because we know that's where God's called us. We're happy to be here now because we're, we're working through uh, the process. But Africa is in our hearts. And so we need favor with pastors to offer us the opportunity to share with their body what God has called us to do, where we're going, and why. Um, and we're also, we are blessed. I mean, the Lord's helped us. We're almost like 40% raised on our monthly budget. That's right. And so we're so thankful. And, you know, God's doing awesome things. What's your, what's your monthly budget? Uh, 4,400 4, is our monthly budget. And so, uh, honestly, I don't think they even thought we'd get this far. So I think they're like, wow, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe God can do this for them. And we know he can. And another part of that challenge, just quickly, is as missionary associates, you have to continue working your regular job. Until the day you actually set foot on soil of the country you're headed to. So, so you're working twice as hard. Yeah. <laughs> Make every day count. That's right. When, so when, what's kind of the dream date? When do you guys want to be on, on the field? We'd love to be there um, by the fall of this next year. We're actually slated to go January 2018. Um, but school for the kids there starts in January is their school year. Mm -hmm. So ideally, it would be perfect, you know, we have school emissions training or whatever for country adaptation and things next summer. So if we would, could be ready by the fall to go, that would be such a blessing. That would be wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're going to pray that God will give you favor with the churches in our area, that, that the funds will come in. We know he'll make that way, and he is faithful. So we're going to pray. We're going to do our part financially to bless you guys and make sure we get you there sooner than later. Uh, before We're going to pray for them, church, but before we do that, what ways can, can we connect with you? What, what are the easiest ways? Our prayer card is on the table in the back. It has Facebook. We're the Nash team on Facebook. There's email if you do that. We also have a link to our um, online profile with the Assemblies of God. So we'd love for you to visit. Pray for us. If you want to do something extra, we've kind of done some mileage cards that helps us raise the rest of our cash budget. Um, there's 8,869 miles to Habarone, Botswana, where we're going to be going. 
And for us to raise that all, it's $4.50 a mile. So if that's something the Lord puts on your heart, that's great. Otherwise, pray for us because we know that he is faithful and Amen. he's able to get us there. That's right. So make sure you stop by their table, grab their cards. If you, you feel God calling you to support them in, in, in uh, more than just a faith promise, which, which does go to them, which does support them, uh, you certainly can do that. And we encourage you, if God's moving you in that direction, to connect with them. Uh, grab one of their prayer cards or mileage cards. We'd love for you to do that. Church, would you stretch out your hand as a sign of your prayers as we pray over the Nashes and their family as they go? Uh, let's pray. Father, we pray blessing and favor over Shannon and Logan and their family. Lord, that you would surround them with, their angel, with your angels as they travel, as they do what you have called them to do, both here in the States and when they get to the field. We know that you will protect them. As we pray, we know you are faithful. And Lord, would you give them favor with every pastor that uh, they place a phone call to or an email to that would invite them and support them and partner with us in making sure, sure the gospel goes to every corner of this world world. Lord, we pray supernatural provision for every dollar that needs to be raised, every, every budget line that needs to be filled in in the name of Jesus, and find us faithful to do our part in praying and giving to make sure that they get to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give them another round of applause? Thanks, guys. You can pray. Every one of us can pray for our missionaries. Pray that the Lord would send workers, laborers into the fields of the harvest of souls that are are ripe and ready to go. So you can pray. You can give. You can give a, a faith promise like we talked about. You can tear off that little part that you keep and put the other part in the buckets that our, our usher, ushers will have at the door. Just let us know that you're partnering with us. We set our budgets on what we can support our missionaries on based on those faith promises. What, what you pledge to give, we tell our missionaries, hey, we're going to be at this dollar amount. We can do this. We can do more. We have to do less. So as you let us know and you give those faithfully each, each week, we are able to partner with each missionary. Maybe God's calling you to do something special with them. You have my permission as your pastor to support them directly. They have little cards and all that information is out on their table if God's calling you to do that. But you can give. You can give in our Joyland offering next week as we're believing God for a miracle to, with our partners in, in uh, Kenya there. And you can go. Don't forget to go online uh, over the next today or next few weeks you want to sign up for El Salvador we'll be talking about that more and more as the time gets near but you can begin to do that whether you pray whether you give or whether you go you share in their reward the eternal reward that is to be given to those who've made such a sacrifice there'll be a special place for every missionary who's given their life for the cause of Christ. But every person who prays and gives and goes shares in that eternal reward. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer today? That verse I read in Romans earlier actually starts with Paul, the apostle, saying this. If you openly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. 
Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the Lord, the name of the Lord, will be saved. Church, in this holy moment, we close your eyes and, and bow your heads. Perhaps this morning as you've heard us talk, as we've, as we've worshipped, as we've taken communion, as you've heard our missionaries talk, maybe you've never come to that point where you've said to Jesus, come into my life. Maybe like we said earlier, you try to make your own bread. You don't need God, but this morning you know he's tugging on your heart and it's time for you to come home to him, to admit that you need him. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up high. We're not going to embarrass you, but we, your church, are going to pray with you as you start that journey, inviting Jesus into your life, forgiving you of sin and giving you new life in him. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand up high? All over this room, would you go ahead and raise your hand up high? Yes, sir, I see you in the back. Over here on the left, I see you. In front here, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see your hand over here. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you in the back. Anybody else? Then, church, let's pray with all those who raised their hands this morning. Would you repeat after me out loud with your voices? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus to live the perfect life that I could not live. He suffered in my place and died on the cross to pay my sin debt. But thank you that he rose again to give me new life. I receive your forgiveness and that new life today. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Church, would you give a round of applause for all those who made that decision today? Welcome home. Welcome home. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.